You've just pressed play on episode eight, and this show is all about the top 10 toxic mold social networks you can find on Facebook. Hello and welcome to this Thursday's live stream, focusing today on Facebook groups regarding toxic mold. I am sorry to be a little bit late. I have been stuck on the telephone for the last little while talking about a story which appeared in today's age. And this is focusing on the unexpected and unwanted impacts of water damage. And for anyone who is in Australia, I suggest that you get a copy of Today's Age because this details some of the very significant issues which I come into contact with every day and homeowners and occupants and tenants face all the time as well. And really that brings me into the topic of today's live stream. And I wanted to go over uh, what I think are uh, really the top 10 Facebook groups that are out there where you can go for free information and highly relevant crowdsourced information on water damage and mold. And to begin this, I sort of want to go over why you would be even interested in listening to me and hearing about this particular topic. Well, who do you turn to when you want to get some more information about mold. Who do you trust? What have other people done? How have other people dealt with their own site-specific building problems? What have been their experiences? Who's recovered? Who's also feeling unwell? Who's feeling, in a sense, a bit victimized by the system or upset with their uh, landlord in many situations or their builder? Well, Social networks and health communication are increasingly becoming important vehicles of change. And many of you who are on different social networks know this for yourself, but uh, scientists and academics like myself are very interested in how social media can be used for public health. And there is some fantastic research out there on uh, how social media uh, is changing the landscape of healthcare prediction. Uh, in fact, there are some scientists who have worked out that Instagram, for example, can be used to predict the uh, number of cases of flu on a city and country specific basis based on changes in the types of posts and the color scale in the images. Now, I think that's really interesting because really that's like epidemiology, but it's really called infoepidemiology. And it's how information can change how we perceive healthcare. Now, on social networks, obviously, uh, these are very different to the peer reviewed literature like uh, I deal with all the time. This is a graph that I've produced which shows the number of publications on 
toxic mold that have appeared in PubMed since 1945 right up to 2019. And you can see this increasing trend in the number of academic and scientific publications focusing on toxic mold. Facebook is a very fascinating domain and this concept of groups as opposed to personal or business pages means that they are designed to provide a space to communicate about shared interests with like-minded people. And the reason that these work are down to influence and there are two types of influence in social networks. And I want to talk about this before I get into the top 10 list and why this is a top 10 list, because it's made up of these two twin concepts, peer influence. And this is really important because this is how information is accepted into the network. And then there is external influence, and that is posts or information that are introduced into the network. Well, why is this important? Well, the average person on any particular web page might only spend 15 seconds there. So everyone is clamoring for attention and for an audience in a sense. And so it is really important that social media is well targeted and engaged because no one wants to waste time and you want access to topical information. Now, Facebook groups are hot property. In 2018, there were 1.4 billion people on Facebook who use groups every single month. Now, there are a lot of groups out there for specific interests, and I'm going to be ranking the top 10 for toxic mold that are available. And many of these are closed groups. There may even be secret groups out there, and many groups are also public. So there are options out there, and you can do a search for these social groups directly from your own personal account. But it's interesting to note that Facebook are well aware of the fact that a lot of these groups are health related and they are actively making changes as we speak to allow many of the group admins to share personal medical information that is privacy uh, important that have ramifications to allow them to strip out that information and allow people to share this. So Facebook is well aware of the uh, increasing numbers of people that are turning to their social platform to look for uh, health-related information. Now, <clears throat> before I get into the mold-specific uh, list, I want to go through some background academic research in the field of social media because people have been very interested in the penetration of concepts like vaccination, which is again a contentious topic. There's a lot of research fundamentals out there saying that vaccination is a positive thing and there is equally other research which says it's quite damaging. I'm not gonna get into the pros and cons of that particular debate, but as I said, from a social media and information and communications perspective, it's very interesting to be aware of what the prior research shows 
so that you can be informed when you go to your own niche specific mold Facebook group to understand what some of the intrinsic uh, behaviors are about the network itself and the individuals and the peer influence and how external information is introduced. And what we find out is that this concept of vaccine hesitancy has been something which um, uh, governments and lawmakers and the pharmaceutical industry have been aware of. And so, of course, they early on turned to social media. So there's some excellent statistics. One of the better papers, which I'm referencing in the show notes at the bottom of this live stream, is the, a great study that went over seven years on Facebook that looked at 2.6 million users and a couple of hundred thousand posts on vaccines. And they discovered something that was fundamental to how information propagates within the social network. And that is something called the echo chamber effect. And this echo chamber effect means that the users on particular groups can effectively cancel out their consumption of information and media that doesn't fit with their aligned beliefs. And unfortunately, within social networking groups, the algorithms that Google and Facebook use means that content that you have regularly consumed and liked, you will be increasingly likely to see more of it. And so this echo chamber effect can definitely introduce some bias in terms of the types of information that you'll be exposed to. And this definitely explains why some social media health campaigns that are delivering scientifically credible information may have very limited reach on the internet and more specifically within certain target groups that should be quite interested in that information. Now, out of all of this research on the echo chamber effect and peer influence and the how external information from journalists and other news sources is introduced, it comes down to this concept of trust because people join social networks to connect with other human beings. And so this concept of trust is fundamental to the success, in a sense, of all groups. And the academics have found from looking at other topics, not just vaccination, but a huge range of different interests that humankind has, that smaller closed groups are trusted more. Now, the individual's position within the group is actually very, very important. And this is quite predictive of trust. There are, however, gender gaps as well. And it has been seen again and again across countries that women tend to have a larger social network than men. And similarly, women who have moved away from their hometown tend to also have deeper social networks that are amplified online. So what are some of the consequences of you doing what I'm saying? That is when I'm about to tell you what this top 10 list is. If you do go out and you are having a water damage and mold problem and you've just discovered this and you don't want to go to PubMed 
and read through volumes of academic information regarding different aspects of fungal infection and illness, you're likely to join the social network. And the benefit to you is that you will be able to connect with other like-minded people and you'll be able to do that instantly. You will be exposed to real-time or near-to-real-time news being introduced into these social networks. Like what you're hearing so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. And remember, this podcast is actually part of a live stream that I do every week on Thursdays. So check it out on Facebook or on YouTube. Now back to the show. Joining a social network is also supposed to be fun and enjoyable. So there are some psychological benefits of uh, engaging with other people who are going through similar situations to yourself. There are a couple of negatives. Procrastination is one, especially if you're looking for solutions or quick solutions. Sometimes the social network is not the best place to go because you may get information overload. Now, if you don't check out these Facebook groups and you just rely on osmosis to acquire information that impacts on your particular situation, you could definitely miss out on some timely and valuable peer support, which is effectively crowdfunded wisdom. This concept of consensus thinking, whilst it entails some bias, is actually really important because we all make decisions within a larger community or group structure anyway. And so how other people feel about particular situations and how they're collectively responding to them is very, very important to be aware of. And you can get some very good information and clues regarding solution pathways that might create decision points for your own situation. So how can you use this right now? Because I'm about to move to the top 10 toxic mold social networks. And I haven't just gone through <clears throat> from my personal page and keyed in toxic mold because Facebook returns, as I said, not necessarily an objective view of what is out there because I am a Facebook user. And so we can turn to other research platforms which take an AI or a machine learning approach to do keyword matching across Facebook and within different groups. And we can get a very interesting ranking, which I'm about to show you. So the first group that I want to talk to you about is entitled Toxic Mold and SIRS Advocacy Group. This concept of SIRS or Chronic Inflammatory Response Syndrome is increasingly being discussed and people are very concerned about the concept of inflammation as the mediator for, in many cases, chronic and quite profound and unexpected health problems. And so obviously this comes in at number one, according to the AI ranking algorithm. Now, unlike other 
groups of people, the fan count or the size of the group doesn't necessarily have a correlation on the types of content or what's being discussed within the group. Toxic Mold and Sir's Advocacy Group has a fan count of 151. Contrast this with the number two position, Toxic Mold Awareness and Education. That is a fan count of 1,422. And each of these focus on different aspects of mold exposure and everything to do with this. So most of the groups have a niche specific focus. And until you join them and see the quality and types of posts, you won't really know. But you can join up to 300 groups without penalty from Facebook. So it's in your interests to scan your environment. The number three position is surviving mold. Now this is by far the biggest Facebook group on the Facebook ecosystem with a fan count of 11,342. When I put these statistics together 36 or 48 hours ago. This is a very good Facebook group as each of them are and I suggest that you look at these as they pertain to your particular set of circumstances. The number four position comes in with surviving toxic mold. Well, if you've got water damage, obviously you want to survive it, don't you? So this is a very valuable group and they have a fan count of 3,723. Now we move on to the number five position, and this is Toxic Mold Support Australia. Now I'm in Australia. I know many, many clients and patients that are referred to me by clinicians who are members of Toxic Mold Support Australia. It is a very active group. They have a fan count of 532, but make no mistake, they are providing very useful and valuable information. And it is important to be aware of the global or US context, but it's also important to be aware of the local context and make connections with other individuals that are sharing similar experiences in their journey through water damage and mold. The number six position is mold illness made simple. And this emphasizes something fascinating about internet and information and learning in general. People want to learn about mold and mold illness, and they want to do it on their own terms and in their own time. This is a related website to the previous one. They have a fan count of 1,976. So number six is very interesting as well. Number seven is toxic mold survivor. And not to be, uh, 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 it's, this is not like uh, uh, survivor or survivor gladiator or survivor on a desert island. This is actually surviving from toxic mold. And so this is a slightly different perspective again to navigating through this environment. They have a fan count of 822. Number eight is journey to recovery from toxic mold sickness. Well, if you do find that your physiology is responding negatively to your environment, well, obviously 
you want to turn to some sort of group that might give you some valuable person-centric information that can allow you to recover. So this comes in at number eight. Number nine is called Mold Blogger. Well, many people like to write about mold and this particular Facebook group is focusing on first person perspectives like all of them are, but this is uh, being uh, uh, led by uh, this particular uh, a companion website as well. They have a fan count of 232. And in 10th position is the Facebook group called SIRS and Mold Toxicity. Again, SIRS is Chronic Inflammatory Response Syndrome. They have a fan count of 480. Now, it's really, really, really important now that we are at the end of this top 10 list to remember a few takeaways. There is an echo chamber effect in all social networks. They do take up time to join and consume information. They do allow you to get interaction with other people who are in the same or similar situation to get some advice, much like a conversation in real life. I think they have a profound and significant role to play in guiding people through their own journey. And I think that because of the echo chamber effect, AI will increasingly be looking at ranking websites and groups in terms of the content that is produced. I think that this is valuable for the admins of many of these news groups as well, because they also are the gatekeepers in many cases, depending on their settings, on what information gets accepted and then promoted. In any case, my name's Dr. Cameron Jones. Feel free to post comments in the uh, below this video. Uh, I'm happy to answer questions and uh, I'll talk to you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for joining me this week on The Mold Show. Make sure to visit our website at themoldshow.com where you can subscribe on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. You can also follow up on specific content or any of the references that were discussed, which I always put up on the show notes. If you found value in this podcast, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or tell a friend or share this episode out to your network and family. As always, you can reach me on socials at Dr. Cameron Jones, and I'm always happy to answer your questions. Have a great week and bye for now.